Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Before I get started today, one of the things that I had a key learning on recently was inclusivity is a really important aspect. You know, the Aqua Monsters that I run, it's always about every monster matters and being really inclusive. And there's also a point where being exclusive is really important as well, right? Knowing who do you have the energy for and the time. And one of the things that I realized recently is my coaching practice, the clients that I work with privately, it's been very exclusive. I don't talk about it. I'm always full. And so there's usually not spots to open up. And maybe when a spot's about to open up, somebody who may be brave enough, sends me an email and asks if there's a spot. We'll have a wait list as well from time to time, or I'll have clients that will say, oh, you know, I have a referral for you. So here's the thing. If you've been interested in getting private coached with me and doing work together and partnering, then go to howshereallydoesit.com and click on work with Corinne, because that's how we work together. And you can apply My team will take a look at it and then we'll go with next steps there. So if you're ready and you've been sitting here going, hey, I want to work with Corinne and she hasn't been talking about it, I apologize. I didn't quite realize it was head down in coaching my clients, working with my groups, and then I come here to deliver for our community without talking about that. So I'm getting really clear. Clear is kind. If you want to work together, now's a good time. Go and apply. Okay. Today, I'm going to talk about why traveling to Europe may not be ideal. (laughs) And we're we're heading into summer. Maybe you already have your summer plans. That's okay. It's not. It maybe you already have plans to go to, to Europe this summer. And that's okay. Because I will give you some tips on how to be able to come back from that trip more aligned with what it is that you want. And for those of you that haven't planned a trip, but are kind of rumbling with it, I'm going to talk about why maybe it's not ideal for your family right now. So here's the deal. Family travel. We have family travel look a certain way. And and I get it. Like I've had every stage of life of different kinds of financial resources, time, and so on. And there was a time in my adult life, and maybe this is where you're at, and that's okay. Because there was a time as well for me when family travel wasn't something that I gave myself permission to do whether it was because I just didn't believe that I was allowed to do that. It was not time now. I can do it later, right? Kind of, I was really good at pushing things off for me further down the road. Some of it had to do with, because there weren't the financial resources, right? And it had to do with my own limiting beliefs about money and really what was in my bank accounts at that time. Or maybe there wasn't the time because there was limited financial resources and either I would work or I'd go on vacation but I needed funds to go on vacation. So I needed to work more to be able to have the funds. So maybe that's where you are right now. I've been there and I have created a life where I can have those choices now. So that can be possible. 
And then later on, family vacations, like family and family vacations did start to happen. So there was this, there was a part of my life where it wasn't allowed to happen. Right. And it wasn't that anyone told me it was just the prison wall that I lived in. Like, that's not possible for somebody like you. You're a loser from loser street. You don't have the funds. I just, you don't have the time. You need to build your career. You need to get through grad school. You need to do this. You need to take care of everybody else. Like there were all these rules that I was silently living through and they created those prison walls. And then fast forward, when we made some changes, then it was, oh, we can do family vacations. But it evolved to doing family vacations based on, again, the cultural programming of what would it mean to be a good parent? Not what did I want? What did my spouse want? Right? What would make it mean to be a good parent? And we were making a lot of assumptions and they were ideas, you know, from really our community, from our friends, from cultural programming. So this led us to a lot of Disney family trips, right? It made sense in some ways because we could drive to LA and go to Disneyland. We had a way to make it work within our financial constraints at the time and the time slot of the time. But it wasn't because it was necessarily something we desired to do, at least my husband and I. It was something that you know, I just didn't really think much of it. It was like, oh, of course, this is the next step in life. You take your kids to Disneyland, right? You're supposed to do it. I personally do like Disneyland. My husband's does not like Disneyland. And in fact, he has his favorite ride. What would you think his favorite ride at Disneyland would be for a guy who does not like Disneyland? It's the ride home. That is his favorite ride. The car ride home, which can be, you know, anywhere from six hours to eight hours, depending on traffic from Southern California to Northern California. That is his favorite ride, right? So we did these Disneyland trips and some of it was because we had cousins going and, you know, there were uncles and aunts and grandparents going. And so that kind of made it kind of fun and cool. But it was never like, hey, this is what I want from a vacation. You know, those Disney trips was about like how we were measured as parents or as step parents or as in-laws, right? Daughter-in-law, son-in-laws, whatever it may be, or what did the kids want? Not what did we desire? And we were in that loop for a long time. We did a lot of, we did Disneyland as our income grew. We did, you know, Disney cruise. And then much later, you know, I took the kids to Disney World. I've done a lot of Disney, right? But it was about what was supposed to be done. And much like the Disney trips, at least in my California environment, the next step is what a family's supposed to do is to go to Europe. And when my kids were in junior high and high school, and like my kids are in college, right towards the end of their collegiate experience, but when they are in junior high and high school, there were a lot of families who were taking their kids to Europe, like a lot, like every, so many friends and families and, you know, Aquamonster families, they were going to Europe. And some of it was to fulfill maybe the parent's dream of maybe it was their first time to go to Europe. And it was like, oh, I want to do this. And of course, you want to like spread it to the people you love the most, your kids, without maybe thinking it through how will it ripple effect, right? Some of them may have been that they'd been to Europe when they were younger. Like I had been to England when I was in college, right? So maybe it's like, oh, I've done that and I want to go back and I want to share this experience. And some of it's maybe because they finally had the financial ability to do it or the career stability to go and be able to go vacation because they had stored up time, right? So there are different reasons to go. And here's the thing. The thing I saw time and time again, especially with parents of high school kids, 
was upon their return, the frustration and often resentment after their trip. And I started watching that. I was like, hmm, I don't know. There's a lot of work to be done to go there and to be in that situation. I don't know. So here's what happened is that the parents, the vision that the parents and the kids had were very different about Europe as well as their day-to-day experience and what it would be. So my key learnings were that I was not going to take kids on an expensive abroad trip until, and this is just an example. This is not what you need to do because it may work out fantastic for your family. But I was also scarred a bit from taking one of our kids. We took them We were trying to take some of our other kids to D.C., but anyways, we took one of our kids to D.C. in eighth grade, and it was a shit show, my friend. (laughs) It was was a massive shit show. There was a gap between what we thought and what our child thought, and it was, we still talk about it, how it was the worst vacation, lots of key learnings, which then helped me give insight about Europe with my family. So my key learnings about an expensive abroad trip was we weren't going to go if we would be spending time arguing about cellular data plans. And now data plans have changed. And even on our trip abroad to Korea, like it's, I don't even know what our plan has and doesn't have, but our kids were able to have their phones. They weren't like shut out from them. It just worked slower, but we, you know, we can text and be on internet and stuff. So it's a bit different than when they're in high school where data plans, we were all in the U.S. as parents struggling with kids that were, going over in data plans just at home and having these costly bills and then going to Europe and then kids feeling, you know, like they were missing out on what was happening. They had a lot of FOMO what was happening back at home or that the parents were the worst parents in the world because they took them to Europe for the summer instead of being at home with their friends or, you know, having sleepovers or whatever it may be. So I was like, we're not going to take our kids on these expensive abroad trips if we're going to spend time arguing about cellular data plans. And there was a period of time where that was a lot of boundary setting that we were working on and practicing. And that was the arena we were in. Then the other was, and I heard this a long time ago, probably like when my kids were, I don't know, 10 or so, eight, is that a lot of our kids live the lifestyles of high-level executives, right? We're their secretaries, we're their personal drivers, we're their personal cooks. Like we take care of so many aspects of their life. They are privileged, right? My kids were tremendously privileged and doesn't mean that they're bad kids or that it's a bad thing, but there are certain things in their lifestyle that they have that they're really fortunate for. And they may not appreciate the opportunity and the cost Because let's face it, they didn't have the insights as teenagers. They didn't have the skills as teenagers about what things cost, what things don't cost, what the difference is there versus here, right? And so I made a decision. I was like, why would I take them to Europe where they're going to be upset with their phone usage or their lack of usage, me pulling them away from their friends and taking them away from their privileged life here to take them on a trip that I want to go to, that they may not be interested in a church or a museum or a palace or whatever it may be that's old and historic. And why would I take them then when they have this privileged life? It'd be better to take them when they're poor and they're appreciative of, wow, my mom's taking me, she's paying for this, or or my parents are taking me and they're paying for this, or, you know, look at this meal and they understand the value of money, right? My kids are good with money, but there was a time that their understanding was not what it is now. We're always learning and evolving, right? I truly believe that. 
So that was the other aspect of like, okay, that's another reason I'm not going to do it. And then it was also about reframing my mindset from comparing our family with other families, right? What are other families doing? Oh, if they're doing this, we're supposed to do it. Fortunately, with raising kids and having bonus kids, and I, I came up with a mantra that it's really served me well as a parent is different families have different rules, different families make different choices. It's not a right or a wrong or a good or a bad. There's just different choices, which has allowed me to further expand of, you know, living your life through your values, through your priorities, you know, through your constraints. It's not a less than, right? We don't need to be in scarcity. We don't need to be in shame. It's about choice and agency. So reframing my mindset and not comparing and, and watching this, which allowed me to see what was, what was evolving and what was going on. And not to say that all these, you know, anytime, even when I travel with my family now, there's amazing times, there are shit shows. I've talked about them. I've shared it, right? And I had friends that went and they're so grateful for it at that time. And there was also some difficulties of it. For me back then, I didn't have that capacity, right? I didn't have that capacity and I knew where I could get triggered in spending that kind of money and having the tumultuousness that could be there, that was what I had to understand and be self-aware of for me. And so I'm giving this as an example for you so you can look and create your own self-awareness of what are your values? What are your priorities? What are your constraints? What may be triggering for you that puts you in a situation where not the best of you shows up and then it becomes not this great family vacation right? And then the other part is I noticed there was this scarcity that was driven from parents because they thought, oh, we have to get all of this done before my kid leaves for college, before they graduate from high school. So, you know, when they're 15, 16, 17, the parents are frantically running around doing stuff because they think at the finish line is when they graduate from high school. And maybe for some families it is, what I'm trying to figure out is where is that finish line as I have a 23 and a 21 year old, the youngest two, because it doesn't seem to be finishing. And then the other thing I made a decision to do, remember, is that I figured when they were poor, they would be more appreciative. That was my hypothesis. We're working on this one, right? Is pushing that finish line out, like traveling with my adult children. And I've done that, right? We've just recently come back from a trip from Korea. And that was way better of a trip than when we went to DC with one of our kids, right? And there were different reasons. And part of it's an appreciation now and an understanding of money and a value. Some of it was also the factor of we went with a whole bunch of people, right? And we were really clear about what we wanted from it. We were really aligned. And when we went to DC, it was, oh, this is what we're going to do for you. And aren't you so lucky? And we never asked her if this is what she wanted, what did she want from the experience? Is this what she wanted to go to DC? And what would she want from the experience as well? We just put it upon her. So often when we're making plans for these big expensive trips, we plan with a lot of magical thinking like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to get, be really connected. It's going to be fantastic. And maybe you're all shoved into one hotel room, right? And you're all on top of each other and you're used to having your own space. So it's not going to be that fantastic because that's not what you practice back at home, right? Or we think that our kid's going to be so grateful that they're going to be okay that they don't have their cell phone or they're going to be in a different time zone or they may be missing out sports or friends or, 
you know, somebody that they like, it may not be that magical. And so we have to let go of this idea of how great it's going to be. I'm very committed to committing to the best case scenario and managing the risk. But oftentimes we have this really dreaming big of like, it's going to be fantastic. It's like we're our own marketing machines for the vacations that we plan. And then we come home with a disappointment, right? We envision what we see on TV or in the movies. I do this. <laughs> I go go to New York and be on the ground walking around. And I love New York City and be like, where's that bird's eye view I see on TV or in the movies, right? Like I'm on the ground walking. I will see that. I'm not seeing something that has been carefully choreographed and put on a screen, right? So we, we tend to do that. We tend to envision what we see on TV or in the movies. And we forget, remember those Chevy Chase National Lampoon family vacation movies? <laughs> they were in the 80s and they actually went all the way to like, I think 2010, but I remember them, right? And they even went to Europe, but there's a lot of shit shows in those. We don't, we don't think that's what we're walking into. We have the very choreographed, polished film that we see. So as you're thinking about a family vacation, and maybe you are going to Europe, maybe you are going someplace, right? Instead of thinking about the magic of it all and how it's going to be amazing and there's going to be just, it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be fantastic and all the good things. Instead, think about for you, think about where you want to go. Think about why you want to go there. It's really important to focus in on you and where you want to go. Why do you want to go there? Get clear on that vision and then discuss with your family. And here's the important thing. Make sure you hear from them. Make sure you hear from them because maybe they're like, "Mm, no, don't want to go. And you're like, no, it's going to be great. And they're like, "Mm, don't want to go. I don't like a whole bunch of old buildings. I don't want to go. I don't like old things. I don't want to be on a tour bus right? So listen and hear and allow them the space to speak because it can help you guys get clarity on what it is that you can create together as a family. And it doesn't mean they get to do all of what they want or you get to do all of what you want. And maybe it doesn't even mean the whole family goes, right? But by being able to rumble and talk about this and allow for this space to occur, then you can create something that is for your family and for you. It's not an either or. They could be disinterested because they may not understand. Or, you know, I think my daughter didn't really have an understanding of what DC was going to be about. And she may not have really had a desire except hearing like her mom and dad say like, oh, this would be great for you. It's going to be great for you for school. And it's going to be great for you. And you're so lucky. That's what we told her. But we didn't really paint what it was going to be about. We didn't hear what she was going to be interested in. And she was more interested in being on her phone than really anything else. Right. And also taking a lot of cabs or Ubers instead of like walking or renting bikes like we did. She's like, why do we have to do that? Let's just take a cab. I was like, because we don't want to spend money on the cab or the Ubers. Asking yourself, what do you want from this vacation? Is it to share the experience with others, with your family? When I was in Sydney and I was by myself in Sydney, Australia, and I was by myself, I'd gone ahead for some work. And then later on, my family met, but we didn't, we met in Brisbane, which is a different place in Australia. I remember being in Sydney and walking around because that's one of my favorite things to do is walk around the city and explore and learn and just kind of roam. And I thought, wow, I really want one day to come back here with my family. I want them to see 
you know, the Sydney Opera House. I want them to see the bridge, like those things that we see in our world, right? That have been so picturesque that I was able to experience. I want them to be a part of that. I thought we'd come back in a few years. We still haven't been back because of COVID. But actually, one of the things that happened was our flight into Sydney, then to San Francisco, we missed our connecting flight and we got to stay in Sydney for a night and we got to do those things. We went to Bondi Beach, we swam in the pool, right? And we got to go to the opera house and walk around. Like those are the things that I wanted and it was able to occur. And it actually happened on a faster timeline. I did a podcast about that many years ago. But what do you want from this experience? So that experience was just about being able to share that experience and go through that process with my kids, right? It was something like, wow. And, you know, that pool was really cold because it's ocean water, but, you know, they were of the age where they were actually thrilled to go and swim in it. When they were younger, they would not have liked to swim in it, right? So it aligned at the right time. So going back again, what do you want from your vacation? What do you want from your experience? And then the other is, is now a time where your family members will be on board with the vision of what you're looking to create. What did they want from the experience? Can there be a Venn diagram with everyone or does it not work right now? These are critical questions to go through. And here's another, and this may not land me like, you know, in a parenting magazine, I'm not a parenting coach because it's not inclusive, but it's the question of, is taking your entire family the best for your family? You know, maybe it is one kid. Maybe it's you and your partner or your spouse and not the kids right now. Maybe doing a group trip later on, you know, maybe that's the vision. Maybe it's taking the kids and not a spouse. Like there's lots of different ways we can do it. So really looking at that whole group of like what works best and where's that Venn diagram. There's a lot of rumbling that goes into this. Maybe it's you going by yourself right? Or with a friend or joining a retreat. There's lots of different components. You know, maybe it's waiting until they're older. When I was coming back, I think I was coming back from Italy. I met this couple, they were probably in their early seventies and they had just gone to Italy with their three adult daughters and their families. And they spent a week or two together and, and then, you know, everybody kind of split up and did their own thing. And they had a delightful trip. Like we need to get out of the scarcity of, if not now, it can be another time. It doesn't have to be right now. And we have to be careful because we don't want to just kick it down the can and then it never happened. But being really discerning and deliberate about what is your capacity? What is your family's capacity? You know, the other option is maybe it's combining with another family or family friends. Like one of the things that did make our trip to Korea really helpful was by going with a large party and having 20 of us go, it had its own bit of constraints and difficulties and, you know, things that we had to go through and obstacles. But that was part of the experience was our family field trip of going with each other, right? So maybe having another family friends to go with and your kids maybe behave better when they're around others than just when they're around their own family. That often happens. And maybe it's without kids. Like I said earlier, maybe it's you and your spouse or your partner vacationing without your kids is an amazing experience, right? I didn't do too much of it when my kids lived at home. If there was a trip, often it was a work trip. But recently, as we become empty nesters, we've done a couple of trips where it was just us and it is beautiful. But vacationing without your kids, not abandoning them, 
right? That your kids are well taken care of, you know, they actually would appreciate not going with you can be a really fantastic thing as well. Do you come back from it full where your cup is so full that you can pour into others or do you come back depleted? That's always the question. So when I vacation by myself, I come back more full. When I vacation with my spouse and we're really clear about what we want from this experience, I can come back really full as well, right? Traveling with my family or the bigger the group, it can be hard as they're evolving and they're trying to gain their independence, their own agency. There's the rufflings that go on. And it's also, there's times that are so beautiful. So really paying attention to that. How do you come back and what works in the parameters that you have? There's a lot of options that I gave you. And remember, there's no right ones. The intention is to come back filled up. And if you aren't able to come back filled up and without receiving what you wanted from the trip, it's going to be really disappointing. And you could possibly be filled with resentment at those in your family who didn't follow your vision, right? It's about sharing their vision, getting people aligned in the vision. So letting go of what being a good parent is about, letting go of the scarcity of time, letting go of the comparison of what others do. And instead, tune into what you want, tune into what each member of your family wants. And they may not know, there may need to be rumbling, there may need to be time, there may need to be ideas thrown out. We, we are so Googleized, right? Because we ask Google a question, it gives us an answer. And sometimes when we put something out there, probably when my daughter was in eighth grade and we said, you know, we're going to do this DC trip, there wasn't the space for her to think about it and process it. So giving yourself that space, right? To process and learn, like, what do people want? Reviewing your timeline. Does it really have to happen before they turn 18? You know, what does this timeline really need to look like? And then where does it all come together? And here's the key, imperfectly. So my friend, the question I'm going to ask you is, what do you want from this experience? And maybe traveling to Europe as a family may not be ideal for you right now. And it may be ideal for you. Only you will know in listening to your family and those you care about. I'm smelling big for you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life. Because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night because 
It can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so well.